We're in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, as we continue our uh, series uh, through the life of Moses. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today? Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, this now is the Word of God. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Then the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ears to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today, and you may be seated. Speaking of children's and children's ministry, is one of the young mothers in church who shared the story of she found out she had a type of diabetes, and she was sharing with her children, four-year-old girl, three-year-old boy, to help them in case of an emergency and let them know what to do. Said so if there's an emergency dial 911 and say that my mother has diabetes. And so they practiced. And so first the four-year-old girl got it right. She said, I'm to call 911 and tell the operator that my mother has diabetes. The three-year-old boy practiced and said, I'm to call 911 and say, Mommy has beady eyes. Well, diabetes is kind of a hard word, you know, for us to be able to say sometimes, but we need to know what to do in case of emergency. And not just any kind of emergency, but the emergencies that we have, maybe sometimes in our life that cause great crisis and tragedy, or even sometimes when we're just going through desperate times, what is it that we are to be doing this passage particularly and I think will help us to be able to do that very thing so that we might be able to determine what to do during times of crisis what what tragedy upon tragedy we talked about the bitter waters in which the Israelites came to what tragedy upon tragedy would it be if we came to times that uh, tragedy and things that we go through and we end up being bitter as believers in the Lord Jesus instead of better or more like Jesus. You know, we're halfway through 2020. How do you think it's going so far? Do you hope it gets a little bit better? I mean, we've got uh, pandemic and we've got injustices and we've got protests and we've got nationwide riots and economic collapse and now a Sahara sandstorm. sandstorm. The title of the sermon almost was, What's Next?, but we know that uh, the Lord is always in charge and that we can depend upon Him. We're hoping for a better second half of 2020 for the United States and maybe even for each one of us as well. But you know, America is still the greatest country that we believe that you can live in, obviously. We celebrate the freedoms that we have in Christ. You are able to come and worship here today freely. I think maybe perhaps this year that means more than ever before when we couldn't come together and worship. We're thankful that we've been able to worship live streaming. You're also able to share the name of Jesus. You're able to show God's love and talk about the good news. It, it's my hope that even today coming into service that you might feel some relief and maybe some encouragement. I hope that you have through testimony that's been given through the worship that has been had as well. If, if you've paid attention at all in the last maybe two, three, four weeks, 
We've looked at large portions of Scripture, two and three chapters sometimes, in working our series to the life of Moses. We're calling the escape zone. We've pretty much talked about Moses while they were in Egypt. We're kind of making a transition today and talking about what's going to be happening in the wilderness. And uh, as a matter of fact, Apostle Paul wrote about these very things in coming through the wilderness. And uh, he talked about how uh, things that we can learn from the Israelites, mostly the bad example. He wrote about how God was not pleased with their complaining or setting their hearts on evil. When he said in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as a warning for us. You think God wants things to be better for our nation or maybe even better for you? Yes, God does want to turn the bitter to sweet, but he's much more interested in drawing people to himself. He's much more interested in drawing people to Jesus. As we talk about this passage in the Israelites in the Old Testament, we need to be sure to understand that we're not comparing Israel to America. It would not be biblical, nor would it be fair. Because what we find is Israel, if they can be compared to any, they're compared the Old Testament Israel, who are God's people, we can compare to the New Testament church. That is, you and I who are believers today. So as we talk about application of what we can learn from this passage and others, we know and we understand that the application is for God's people. So we're not necessarily talking about how it is that America is supposed to respond. We certainly hope everyone turns to Jesus. But it's the application of how those who are believers in the Lord Jesus are to respond and how we can be the salt and light to the world. Having said that, perhaps it would be help us to understand why God allows the bitter times. Maybe you picked up some notes on your way in, or I know that they're going to be on the screen there today, but we're going to talk for just a few moments about what God could be doing in America in 2020. And we're going to learn this passage, maybe how we might be able to respond. For instance, God may be testing hearts. God may be testing hearts. Now, we're following Moses and Israelites on their journey. And what we found out is that their walk is very much like the walk of a Christian. Not exactly, but it's very much the walk of a, of a believer. As a matter of fact, we talked about the Red Sea. So the event that's coming out and walking through the Red Sea were the in chapters previous to this as they come and the Red Sea is parted and they walk through. In the New Testament, one of the New Testament writers actually talk about how the walking through the Red Sea is symbolic of the baptism that we all go through, which is symbolic of leaving all the old behind and walking toward the new, rejoicing in the new life we have in Jesus. But notice what happens as the Israelites follow God. God's leading them, cloud by day and a fire by night. And God leads them into the wilderness for three days. They are without water. Now, they've gone from great rejoicing, certainly being reason to be thankful for God's miracle of the Red Sea, which is a very desperate situation. And now they've gone without water. Well, people can endure for a day. It becomes a little bit more intolerable after two days, and maybe after three days it becomes desperate. Well, God, they were following God. They were following Moses who was following God, following the signs that had been given. Why God had led them to such a situation? Why does God lead or even allow us? or even our nation, or even the world to face such situations that are tragic or leave us feeling desperate. Well, verse 25 says that this was a place of testing. We don't blame God, you understand, for the bad things that happen. We live in a sinful world, and sometimes 
we know the rain falls on the just and the unjust, but God wants to use all of those, all the things that are happening around us. And one of the things he might be doing is he may be testing hearts. Uh, the word or definition that is used here for testing in verse 25, it means to be subject to difficulty in order to prove the quality of someone or something. How easy it is to be thankful and to rejoice when they were released from bondage and when their enemies were defeated at the Red Sea in their midst of the miracle. But how the thankfulness fades in just three days when the situation is not good. Well, how many of us are like that? When things are going well, it's easy to rejoice and be thankful, although sometimes we might even forget that. But when times are tough, thanksgiving is not part of our thinking. Yet the Bible says, rejoice always and to be thankful at all times. Well, God was testing their heart, revealing the quality of their faith. God already knew about their heart, but He was revealing it to themselves, to them. Well, during this year, God may have already revealed the quality of person that you are. When times are not good as you would like, or when you're in desperate situation, there are crises in your life or crises around you. Does godly character reveal itself in your life? The quality of your spiritual life and the kind of person that you really are may only truly be revealed when times are difficult. We might have said it before, but it's kind of like a tube of paste. You only know what's inside once it's been squeezed. Well, sometimes what's, sometimes what's revealed is a discontented heart. And with a discontented heart, we know that we need to be certainly satisfied with the things of God and delight in the things of God. Sometimes what's revealed is a sinful heart. And sometimes the Lord is revealing to us that there are attitudes and actions and habits and lifestyles that we need to repent of and to turn over to Him. So Exodus 20 verse 20 says, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Sometimes what's revealed is an ungrateful heart or a forgetful heart. Israelites had just come through a time in which uh, they had a miraculous ten plagues to take place so that they might be released from slavery. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, but it didn't take them long to forget what God had done. May we remember what God's done for us in the past and what He's promised in the future. James 1.12 said, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. So God may be testing you. Do you know the difference between testing and temptation? The Bible tells us God never tempts us, but He may test us. When God tests us, it's always for our good. When Satan tempts us, it's always for evil. So if God is testing you, it is to bring out your best. But also, what could God be doing in America in 2020? God wants to lead people to trust Him. God wants to lead people to trust in Him. Make no mistake, God is at work in everything that's happening around us and everything that's happening in our nation, in our world, so that more people might come to saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. After three days, they were without water. They came to a well or an oasis, but they could not drink it. And I'm not sure which was worse, whether it was knowing that they didn't have water or finding water only to come out to find out that it was bitter. Perhaps it was the latter that caused them even more testing. The place they called Mara, which means bitter. And this seems to be a theme for the Israelites. Things usually went from bad to worse before they got better. 
I mean, there they were, slavery in Egypt, and Moses is going to come as the deliverer, and he comes and, you know, tells Pharaoh and has the conference with Pharaoh, but instead of things becoming better, they got worse because uh, they even had more tasks to fulfill, and they were beaten when they couldn't fulfill it. And then they are released, and they come, and they find themselves backed up to the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are coming forth, and they're worried about what happens before God intervenes, and they're able to cross out of the Red Sea. And even after they get on the other side of the Red Sea, the Egyptian army is on its way in hot pursuit. Things went, were, got worse before they got better until God intervened. Well, now, once again, things go from bad to worse before they get better. Three days without water, when they find it, it's bitter. And what did they do in verse 24? It says, And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Well, what's the opposite of trust and giving thanks? It's probably complaining. And who did they complain to? Who did they complain about? They complained about Moses. I imagine being the leader of God's people is sometimes like being a head football coach or maybe sometimes like being the senior pastor. Because the question's not so much, what have you done for me? But it's, what have you done for me lately? You could win several national championships, but you have a dry or losing season, and there will be complaints and a payoff coming. Now, the payoff's only for the head coaches, not usually for the senior pastor, you understand. But here they were complaining once again. God had brought them out of slavery, walked them through the Red Sea on dry ground, destroyed their enemy. Surely God could be trusted to be able to find water in the desert, in the wilderness for them. Surely Moses could be trusted to follow God and find provision. But their complaint against Moses was really complaining against God. But let's face it. If there was ever a year to complain, this is it. I hope that you've been saving up your complaints. Because now, if there's ever a time that you could complain, come on, this is a good time. But maybe, maybe there's something different that we could do. You remember we began this year, 2020. We want to be able to see God's vision clearly. We have a theme verse for this year. I know we mentioned it in January probably several times, maybe once or twice since then. Anybody remember what it is? It, hopefully it's easy to remember, or at least maybe it's uh, 2020. So we're looking at Galatians 2.20. For this year. So we want you to remember it. Galatians 2.20 that says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, we started out this year so encouraged. This was going to be it. This is going to be kind of a new beginning, a new decade. We wanted to see God's vision clearly. We were ready. Things were healthy. We were growing strong, adding new members. And then March 12th, boy, the wheel started coming off. Now, don't misunderstand. We didn't lose hope. Don't think that I say we lost hope because we didn't. We did not stop being the church. We continued to be the church, even though we were not meeting in the building. We continued to reach out and care for one another and to reach out to the community and do many things beyond be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're going to continue to do that. But are we going to live by faith only when times are good? Oh, I think not. It, it's no sin to take your complaints to God. It is sin to have a complaining spirit that refuses to listen to God or refuses to allow God to be at work and be able to follow God's direction for your life and a complaining spirit so much that it robs you of the joy of serving and walking with Him. 
Listen to what he has to say. Allow God to teach you and change your attitude to be more like Jesus. The happenings in the wilderness were to teach the Israelites to trust in God. It was preparation time. Charles Spurgeon said about the Israelites in the wilderness, the wilderness was the Oxford and Cambridge for God's students. There they went to the university and he taught and trained them and they took their degree before they entered the promised land. You may feel like you're going through the wilderness at times, but God's always teaching you to trust Him more. See every difficulty as a teachable moment for your Lord to teach you, the master teacher, to grow your faith. One of the great love stories in the Bible is, uh, is about the story of Ruth. You might remember that there was Ruth's mother-in-law that was Naomi. Naomi and her husband and her two sons left the land of Israel and to go to the land of Moab because there was a famine in the land. And things went from bad to worse. Naomi's husband died. The two sons died. She came back to Israel, and when she did, she brought with her one daughter-in-law by the name of Ruth, a Moabitess. And when she arrived back in her hometown, all the ladies called her and said, Oh, look, it's Naomi. She said, Oh, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter, the very place in which they were. In other words, don't call me pleasant. Her name Naomi means pleasant. Don't call me pleasant any longer because things are bitter. In fact, she said, God has dealt bitterly with me. Naomi did not see her life as ever being pleasant again, but God had other things in mind. Do, do, you, remember, do you remember where Naomi was from, what her hometown was? It's Bethlehem. In the story, Ruth meets Boaz, greatest, one of the great love stories of the Bible. They get married, and they have a son by the name of Obed. Obed has a son by the name of Jesse. Jesse has a son by the name of David, who becomes king of Israel. Many descendants later, David has a son by the name of Jesus, and who is the king of kings. The book of Ruth ends with Naomi being the nursemaid to the ancestor of Jesus, and she's no longer Mara, but she's considered blessed by the Lord and God's provision as a restorer of life. May, you and I, may we be taught today that we can trust God. He provides and He restores. Things may have gone from bad to worse, and just when you think things could got, not get much worse, God makes His presence known because you have trusted in Him. The psalmist said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. But one more thing we want you to understand, what God may be doing and what God is doing for believers and will do for anyone who comes to Him. God will quench your thirst for happiness and for joy. Most people desire to be happy. It's a very natural desire, but let's, but let's be careful because God didn't save you to make you happy. If you thought that was God's number one goal for your life was to make you happy, well, then perhaps you need to read the Bible and read what Jesus said and renegotiate your contract along the way. God's number one desire is not to make you happy, but it's to make you godly. It's to make you more like Jesus. But that's where true joy is found. I've got to tell you, I've never really gotten used to buying bottled water. I mean, we buy it, we keep it at the house, but... Anybody have you ever bought the Evian water? If you spell that backwards, it says naive. I've never gotten used to buying something that you could get for free. But if you've ever played sports, if you've ever sat out at a hot ball game, if you've ever worked all day out in the sun, you'll pay whatever it takes to get 20 ounces of cold water. 
And we live in a world that's thirsty, but they don't know what they're thirsty for. Happiness seems to be the goal, and many are giving everything they have to quench their thirst. They're overworking, they're building bigger, they're buying more, sacrificing family. Some are turning to alcohol and drugs and gambling, and while some are spending everything they have to quench their thirst, Jesus will satisfy it for free. Jesus told the woman at the well in John, 14, John 4 and verse 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. God wants to quench your thirst for happiness. Well, how does he do it? Strangely enough, he does not do it by making you happy all the time. Now think about it. That's really not all that strange. What happens if you give your children everything that they want or that they think will make them happy? Well, they'll become spoiled, unhappy people. Somebody once said, if you make your children angry when they were young, well, they won't be angry with you when they grow up. But if you never make them angry as children, they'll be angry adults. If God's goal is not necessarily to make you happy, well, how did God accomplish this task of quenching your thirst and giving you this fountain of water that springs up into everlasting life? Well, He changes you from the inside out. He, he changes your desires from the earthly to the heavenly. Moses did the right thing in verse 25. He brought their complaints to God. And I believe that God often wants to make the bitter sweet. And many of you could testify how God has done that very thing. But where we have stated that God wants to quench your thirst for happiness, it really may be that God wants to quench your thirst for heaven, to change your desires instead of being just about earthly things or about earthly things at all. Instead, it's all about heaven. But also, He changes your focus from self to others. God gave them an ordinance, a statute, while they were in the desert. He said, listen, if you listen to me and follow my commandments, you'll not have any of the diseases that have been inflicted upon the Egyptians. In other words, they'll be healthy and well along the way. Now, don't misunderstand this, that if you're a good person, God's not going to let you be sick. It may have been true for the Israelites, but it's not true for us today. But it is true that as we follow Him, we know that the Lord is going to continue to walk with us and be with us. And here we have a new name introduced for God. I don't know if you noticed it or not. It may depend on your translation. But in verse 26, he calls himself Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Well, sometimes the Lord does heal physically. Sometimes he chooses to do that very thing, but he can also heal broken relationships, wounded lives, and broken hearts. And Rapha not only means healing, but it means wholeness. Physical, moral, and spiritual wholeness is found by placing faith in Jesus. If you want to quench that desire and that thirst for always wanting something more, then you do that by focusing instead on being a blessing and serving others. And like Moses, we need to call upon the Lord. What did God show Moses? Did you notice? Do you remember? We read it a moment ago. He showed him a tree. He said, throw this tree into the water. That bitter water is going to become sweet. Now, there was probably no medicinal purposes in the specific kind of tree that was put in. We believe it was a supernatural phenomenon, miracle that uh, the Lord Jesus did so that the people might be able, to, uh, be able to understand the love of God. Lots about trees in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, we have the life-giving tree and the garden. In Revelation chapter 22, it talks about the tree of life that brings healing to the nations. But the most important tree in the Bible, it's, it's not by happenstance that it was a tree that went in. 
For the most important tree, the wooden cross of Calvary for which Jesus took our sins and suffered and bled and died. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. And the God who has healed our sinful hearts and has given us life, it's the cross of Christ that makes the unbearable bearable turns tragedies into triumphs and heartache into happiness, grief into God's grace, sorrow into satisfaction with the Savior, pain into peace, desperation and discouragement and depression and determination, dedication and demonstration of a divine touch. In short, He changes your hope from the circumstances to the cross. We often want to change the circumstances or the condition, but Jesus points us to the cross. What if we don't throw in the tree to what we're facing in the world, in the United States, or in your world today? What if you don't throw in the tree? What if Moses had not thrown the tree into the bitter water? Well, they could not have drank the water, and they would have all died of thirst. But he didn't, they didn't just survive. I don't know if you noticed the last verse in which we read, but... The Lord took them from that place to Elam, a place where there were 12 oases, 12 tribes of Israel, 70 palm trees, and they encamped there. The Lord doesn't want you just to survive. The Lord wants you to thrive through this. The Lord wants you to be able to see and be able to understand that He wants to use these particular times not only to help us to become more like Jesus, but so that more people might become like Him. Let me give you a couple of things of good news that takes place. One of those things that everyone who comes to Jesus, everyone who's a believer, if you're a Christian today, you eventually find satisfaction in Christ. Sadly, many do not find that satisfaction until they get to heaven. We're going to be satisfied in heaven, understand. But the Lord wants you to begin to find that satisfaction in Christ right now by trusting in Him, by seeking His face by following Him. Other part of good news is that this is for everyone. It is for everyone. Everyone may come. For whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life, Revelation tells us. We've been used unprecedented. We've used that word so many times probably. This unprecedented times. We get kind of tired of hearing that it's unprecedented times. But Maybe it could be unprecedented times in your life, unprecedented times in the life of the church and in our nation. May there be a great awakening, more and more people turning to the Lord Jesus. Maybe in an unprecedented time, the Lord will make us more like Christ than ever before. And more people might come to know Him. If you don't know Christ today as your Lord and Savior, you're listening today, and you don't know Christ, may this be the day that you turn your life over to Him. We've heard testimony about it today. We've sung about it. We've talked about an Old Testament scripture that points to Jesus. Turn your life over to Him. We have what we call a virtual altar call now. We don't ask you to come to the front, but if the Lord, you need to make a decision today, we encourage you to do so. By letting us know by online, there's a membership and a connection card, both that we have on our website as well that you can go to and you can use that. And The pastor will be in touch with you to give you counsel. If you're looking to join the church, you can fill out a membership card online. You don't even have to walk the aisle, but you will have to talk to a pastor uh, sometime along the way, and we'll celebrate it on the next service that you come in.